Physical spirit of the Alpha step, omega step, kappa step, sigma step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk. Ooh, heck you know that boy is raw. AKA step, delta step, SG roll step, Zeta step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk. Ooh, heck you know that boy is raw. I'ma get on this TV, mama. I'ma, I'ma put this down. I'ma make sure these light skin tickets never, ever, never come back in style. Told them I finished school and I started my own business. They say, oh, you graduated. No, I decided I was I was in high school when this song dropped, and it introduced me somewhat to the Divine Nine. Uh, this album is one of Kanye's greatest rap albums, and I think it's it's definitely in my top ten of all his albums that he's dropped. It's a classic album, uh, so we definitely miss the old Kanye. Man, we're in week four. Uh, consistency is definitely key, as I mentioned last week. That's my theme for 2020, so I'm going ahead to get started on that. Uh, so thank y'all for listening and sharing. I appreciate the love, the feedback from all of you all. Uh, we're gonna keep this thing rolling and you know I'm excited to keep bringing you new topics and I thank y'all for listening so what's good everybody it's Cedric Warren with said talk get it like Ted talk but it's me couple things now I know normally when I jump off I'm getting into the college football playoff and sports in the beginning but I want to switch it up this time and get into something else and right now, I want to get into my first topic, and that is, where is Greek life going? So Wednesday, December 4th, 2019, marked 113 years of existence for my fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, the first intercollegiate fraternity established for African-American men. Uh, I want to stress intercollegiate because other organizations will be like, oh, they weren't first. We had other things going on before them. And that's not the case. We were first. Everybody else didn't last. Whatever other attempts they had didn't last. So there's that. Uh, trust me, I have a history degree, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. So for those who are not familiar with the Greek life I'm speaking of, I'm referring to nine historically black fraternities and sororities established in the early part of the 20th century. Uh, these organizations definitely served as pillars in the black community and have produced some of the most influential figures across so many sectors. Uh, that includes music, policy, literature, sports, education, science, and more. Uh, some of these people, Martin Luther King Jr., Zora Neale Hurston, uh, Charles R. Drew. So people you've probably heard of, uh, but may not have known they are part of these organizations as well. And the nine organizations that I speak of are Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, founded in 1906, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, founded in 1908, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, founded in 1911, Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, founded in 1911 as well, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity in 1914, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated, founded in 1920. Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated, founded in 1922. And Ida Phi Theta Fraternity Incorporated, founded in 1963. Uh, so those are the nine that we speak of. So if you hear somebody say D9 or Divine 9, that is what we are referring to. So my, my thought is, have you gone back to campus uh, or interacted with your chapter, uh, the NEOs, uh, which means new members, 
and thought like, man, this is totally different from when I was on the yard and speaking on the, on the yard means just being on campus. Uh, and things definitely have and change is OK. You know, I'm OK with that. Uh, with each new decade, you're going to get a new crop of ideas, thoughts and beliefs. Uh, and that comes with the new members who we take into our organization. So it's natural for us to be critical of that because it's essentially a counterculture of what we were. Uh, so we definitely look at things. But I want to question, is it the differences we're seeing in um, Greek life today? Is it because of the initi- initiates that are coming through or is it because of our organization or is it a little bit of both? Right. Um, so I want to get into a little bit of that. So here's a few thoughts that I have uh, on Greek life today. Um, one of the things I want to mention definitely is the quantity versus quality debate, right? So we've we've probably heard that. You've probably heard that from every old head you've ever interacted with before. And as a undergrad, I definitely didn't consider it much. I was like, uh, you know, but I definitely get it. Um, and it seems like today where we're just taking people in just because, uh, whether it be for social pressures or for the fact of having lawsuits and things like that, uh, we're just taking people. And I still wonder why. Um, and, and my thing is, For me, joining this fraternity, I really got a sense of brotherhood, a close-knit group that I could rely on. And I feel like, how can you bond when you have 40, 50, 60 plus members on your line or in your group of people? Um, I think it's almost impossible. Uh, You're not going to get to know everybody that close. You probably don't even know 60 people that closely. To be honest with you, you know what I'm saying, in your own regular circle. So I'm trying uh, to figure out how we would take in in these organizations so many people at one time. Um, it's becoming a money thing, you know, uh, and I see some of the reasons why, you know, we have to keep paying out because of hazing uh, things that are happening. Uh, but still, I think we can have better um, procedures on who, how many people we take in into our organizations. I'm not saying any specific organizations. I'm just saying organizations in general. Uh, so you all make any assumptions that you want to. Uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about too is I'm seeing, and this is just within my own, uh, I'm seeing there's a almost like they're stripping some of the fun away from that undergraduate experience and primarily when it comes to probates. They're being so strict on how long probates can be, what can be done, uh, what can be said. And I feel like regardless of any thoughts on process, uh, when you make it to that point of crossing the burning sands or finishing your process or becoming a full-fledged member of your organization, your probate is your time to shine. It's your time to show the world that you are now a part of this organization. And I feel like with some of the restrictions that I've seen, whether it be limited strolls, limited greetings, um, you know, limited time limits on there uh, for the probates, I think it's unfair to the to the undergrads now who want to be a part of our organization. Now, this shouldn't be the only thing you look forward to, of course, but it's definitely something that once you put into work to become, you definitely want to, um, that you definitely want to do. I remember my probate. I was very excited to be a part of it. Um, still like to look back at the video every now and then and be like, who's that guy that was doing that? And uh, shout out to all the five clubs out there, Five Stay Live. Um, another thing I want to mention is like the negative spotlights that we get in D9 too, right? Um, 
Hollywood, social media, and, you know, there's a lot of different avenues to where we have um, experienced Greek life from movies like um, the Netflix special movie that was Burning Sands or one of the classic ones. Um, wow, the movie is expecting me, escaping me that quickly with Giancarlo. Uh, wow, I remember, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, school days. There we go. School days. Um, so we've all seen kind of those Hollywood depictions of, of Greek life. And I think school days did a better job than Burning Sands did. Burning Sands really just showed a lot of the negative and not the good things that can come from a process. And again, regardless of how you feel on processes and things like that, I'm just saying it wasn't done well, in my opinion. Um, so I feel like there's just a lot of negative spotlight when there's so much good being done by organizations that we fail to really highlight some of that. And I do see it, but I don't see it as much as I think we should. Um, much of the promotion um, comes from social media and you're really just seeing the bad things that are happening. Um, those get put out into the news and it's unfair to you know a lot of the members who are really doing a lot of hard groundwork to uphold uh, what our organizations are. Um, so I'm just wondering why we see that. Um, you've probably heard of pledging versus hazing and things like that. The definition of pledging as a verb is to commit. As a noun, it's a solemn promise or undertaking. Um, so I, when I pledged uh, Alpha Phi Alpha, you know, I pledged to uphold the aims of my fraternity. And you do the same for any other organization you may be a part of as well. Hazing involves dangerous rituals and humiliation that don't serve a purpose and that has no place for it. But I do believe that holding to chapter traditions, holding to traditions of our organization, we can still, one, screen members properly through a process that does not humiliate or embarrass, but still shows some type of um, opportunity for people to truly want this and things like that. So those are just a few of my feelings on that. My final thoughts, I just want to ask you a couple questions for all my D9 members. Uh, are your founders proud of where we've come? Where we come? Um, are we up upholding our aims like we should? Um, are we still moving forward with what the pioneers of our organizations really set forth to do? Um, would they be proud to see the work that has come from and the people that have come from our organizations? Uh, I truly think they would. And, and I think regardless of the negative that is put out there, I truly think that our founders would be very proud of where we've come, not just as members of the organization, but as black people. Um, we've had a black person in the highest office of the world in the United States, President Barack Obama, uh, even though he's somehow slipped through the fingers of every D9 organization possible. But if he would have been Greek, we all know Barack would have been an alpha. He's clearly alpha material. So uh, there's that. Uh, but I, I definitely think they would definitely be proud of us. We're principals, we're teachers, we're doctors, we're lawyers, we're community activists. Um, we are in all facets of the United States. We're uh, across all social spectrums. Um, we may not be in a national spotlight amidst, amidst major um, social injustice and social issues every single day like before, but we're definitely out here doing a lot of the groundwork to make things better, um, regardless of whatever people feel like. Um, I think one of the things that you will notice that in many organizations, professional organizations, you see a D9 member leading that organization. You see them stepping out, stepping forward, um, making choices, 
that really drive the organization forward. And if you're a D9 member too, you can usually pick out somebody that's a Greek too without them uh, wearing any sort of nail yet. Um, you can just see there's a certain characteristic that comes from it. Um, so like I said, I definitely think they would be proud and uh, I am. I'm a proud member of Alpha and I am definitely proud to continue to carry on tradition that our Seven Jewels started in 1906. Okay, uh, so moving on. Next thing, public health. I mentioned that last week. I want to get more into that. Uh, I talked about what public health was for y'all. So like I said, it's in all facets of many things that we do. Uh, it's doctors, it's nurses, it's physical therapists, it's environment, it's sports, it's exercise, it's diets, nutrition, it's all kinds of things. So all those things fit within the public health system, which I will talk about now. So the public health system uh, is public, private, and volunteer entities that continue to uh, contribute to the delivery of essential public health services within a jurisdiction, right? Um, so these are just a network of people within your community, uh, within your city. They are civic groups, they're community centers, they're nonprofit organizations, uh, public health agencies, hospitals, doctors, first responders, all those people make up your public health system. Uh, and these agencies can be found on the state, local, and federal level as well. So a public health system could be a nonprofit organization that focuses on juvenile diabetes and exercise um, within the Indianapolis community. Um, so that's a member of the public health system. Uh, so within that system, all these people that I mentioned are working to execute 10 essential functions of public health. Um, and these basically describe the public health activities that all communities should take part in. Like I said, there's 10 of them. So the first one is to monitor health status to identify and solve community problems. The second one is to diagnose and investigate health problems and health hazards in the community. Third is inform, educate, and empower people about health issues. Fourth, mobilize community partnerships and action to identify and solve health problems. Fifth, develop policies and plans that support individual and community health efforts. Enforce laws and regulations that protect health and ensure safety. Number seven, link people to needed personnel, personal health services, and ensure the provision of health care when otherwise unavailable. Eight, assure competent public and personal health care workforce. Nine, evaluate effectiveness, accessibility, and quality of personal and population-based health services. And then 10, research for new insights and innovative solutions to health problems. So all those things that I mentioned, they may be seem kind of difficult to understand right away, but what I will do over the next couple of weeks is get into more specifics of each one of those. I'll probably tackle two of those um, beginning next week. So we'll tackle the first two, monitor health status to identify and solve community health problems. So I'll show you what that looks like. I'll talk to you about that. And we'll also talk about diagnosing and investigating health problems and health hazards in the community, which is interesting now because there's several outbreaks happening within the United States, especially across college campuses. One of them is mumps. Um, another one, not necessarily on college campuses, but across the United States is hepatitis A. Uh, we're all familiar with HIV outbreaks, um, SCD outbreaks are at a high in certain areas as well, too, across the country. So those are some of the things we'll, we'll get into when we refer to diagnosing and investigating health problems, what the process looks like and how that's done. Uh, and then, like I said, I'll just tackle two more each other week after that. So over the next five to six weeks, we'll get into that. 
so just a quick recap, we want to talk about that public health promotes and protects the health of people and in communities of where they live, learn, work, and play. There's a public health system that involves civic groups, community centers, nonprofit organizations, hospitals, doctors, nurses, first responders, and all these agencies can be found at the state, local, and federal level. Okay. Uh, if you want to know more about public health, got any questions, be sure to drop some questions in the comments or you can Facebook me, leave a message on Instagram, all that stuff. Um, definitely will be willing to talk about that. Okay. All right. So uh, last official topic, I want to get into the college football playoff rankings, as well as a little bit of NFL stuff, too. Um, NFL season is coming towards the playoff. We're getting towards the end. So we definitely want to get uh, some insight into that. It's definitely going to be a very interesting postseason. A lot of good teams out there. Uh, a lot of quality players out there playing great ball. So I think it's going to be exciting January and February. All right. So top four, you saw it. Didn't really change. Ohio State is number one still. LSU is at two. Clemson is at three. Georgia is at number four. I still don't think Ohio State should be number one. And I've expressed this on my last couple podcasts because – LSU has played quality ranked opponents throughout the season and beaten them. Everybody's saying, well, Ohio State has just basically crushed everybody. Well, Ohio State's barely played anybody ranked. They played Penn State, who was a fraud um, the weekend before, and then they played Michigan, who they, is also a fraud, and they put them in the ground. So, granted, yeah, they can score a lot of points, but, I mean, the competition level has been slightly average compared to LSU, who has played more actual quality teams across the board. Uh, Florida went 10 and two, and then Auburn finished nine and three on the year. I mean, we'll probably be seeing Auburn and Florida, you know, competing for the top spots in the West and East of the SEC next year. Uh, So those are quality wins to me. Um, I still think that um, LSU will be the national champion. That's my pick. Uh, we see Georgia at number four. They got to play LSU uh, this weekend in the SEC championship. You know, every time Georgia makes it to Atlanta, it's almost like a home game because Athens not too far away, but they still find a way to lose. Uh, so with that, with that, uh, with that notion, Georgia is going to lose. LSU is just too good of a team. There's just something about them that's got like this, like it's their year. Um, they face some adversity in some of these games they've won, and they found a way to just win. Simple as that. They have found a way to win. Um, they dig deep. Joe Burrow is a true leader. Um, while Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Chase Young, you know, defensively have put up some great numbers and great stats, like – if I got to pick a Heisman winner, I'm picking Joe Burrow. The man is just truly led. And his story is great, too. Like, underdog guy, bounced around, finally got to LSU. I had never heard of him. Now he's in a system where he's just winning and doing so well. So um, take a lesson from that. You know what I'm saying? You may not start at the top always, but you can definitely work your way up, uh, given the opportunities if you work hard. So my other pick, so Ohio State's going to win the – Big Ten Championship, LSU is going to win the SEC Championship. I think OU will beat Baylor again. And then for the Big 12, and then for the Pac-12, I got my Ducks winning that. It's so unfortunate that they lost to Arizona State because they had their in after Alabama lost to Auburn. That was it. All they had to do was win, out the rest of their games, win the Pac-12, 
Georgia falls out because they lose again in the SEC championship, and then Oregon falls right in there. Simple as that. But now I'm going to put – I think I'm going to put Oklahoma in that Final Four spot because it would be Utah – but Utah is going to lose to Oregon, therefore knocking them out. So Georgia's going to lose to LSU. They slide. OU wins the Big 12. They put OU in the top in the top four right there. Um, so we'll see Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, and Oklahoma in the top four. I'm glad to see some semi-new blood in there. Oklahoma's been in it. Clemson's been in it. Ohio State's been in it. But this is LSU's first time since the college football playoffs started. Um, I like to see variety. I think that was one of the cool things I saw about the BCS was that you didn't see necessarily the same championships every single year. Um, 2003, Miami versus Ohio State, probably one of the best national championship games I've ever seen. And the number two one is probably Vince Young in Texas versus Southern Cal. So uh, those are two of my top uh, national championship games. But like I said, for my final top four will be LSU at number one, Ohio State at number two, Clemson at three, and Oklahoma at four. Uh, so that's what I got. Uh, let me know what your top four will be. Put those in the comments. Um, give me any thoughts you got on that. Uh, so... Yep. And like I said, LSU is my national championship prediction. So as Coach O O always says, go Tigers. Uh, So switching from college to the pros, um, you probably saw this week that Ron Rivera, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, has been fired. Um, So they are moving in a new direction. I think the Panthers at this point might try to move on from Cam from here. I don't think they should. I think that'd be a dumb move. Cam still has a lot of good play in him. I think you need to solidify the defense in there. You got good linebackers, but some of them stay hurt. Um, Solidify that defense. Get him a good offensive line that can truly protect him. You got a boss runner in Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey has shown that he can run between the tackles as well as be an outlet for Cam on any kind of RPO or check downs and stuff like that and get yardage and move the ball. So you got the pieces there. I think you need a new coach who will definitely see that. I saw a lot of fans uh, being that I'm from South Carolina and a lot of people do follow the Panthers there. Um... I saw that, you know, they they pretty much wanted him gone. So I think their new coach will be uh, Josh McDaniels. I think they'll give him a shot. Um, As for my team, the Dallas Cowboys, we will probably find a way to limp into the playoffs. We play the Bears tonight, uh, Thursday, Thursday night. So we'll see how that goes. And we'll probably lose in the first round. I'm just speaking what's on my heart and telling you what's up. We're not a good team. And that's that. Uh, We're not, yeah, we're just not led well. So when it comes to coaches, Jason Garrett's contract is up. So we don't have to fire him. He simply just needs to pack his stuff at the end of the season and leave. That's it. So we can move forward. Uh, Jared Jones hit the SpongeBob meme and was like, all right, I'm head out (laughs) after the Thanksgiving debacle and loss to the uh, Bills. And, and the, the frustrating part was that the Bills and Patriots were two actual winning games, winnable games. Uh, so we should be in a much better position. But we'll probably find a way to limp into the playoffs because the Eagles suck, the Redskins suck, and the Giants suck. So we just suck the least. Uh, early Super Bowl prediction. Ravens flock. 
versus who that nation. So I like the Saints. I think Drew Brees, with finishing out that two-year, $50 million contract he had, I think he will lead his team. I know the Niners and the uh, Seahawks are playing good ball. Russell's on a tear. Uh, but there's something about Drew that I really, I've really, i always liked. He's been one of my favorite quarterbacks. I think the Saints have a better defense uh, to really get past. I think the Niners' offense can really click, but I think not having that playoff experience will come to light. Uh, so I'd like the Saints to advance to the Super Bowl. Ravens are just on a tear. Lamar Jackson's a monster. He's out here proving everybody wrong. So I don't think anybody can stop him. I know the Patriots will be pretty difficult to beat in the playoffs because they're there every single year, but it seems like they've had issues with mobile, mobile quarterbacks. I mean, even last year after they beat the Chiefs, Mahomes still threw for three touchdowns in that game. Uh, if the Chiefs had any kind of defense, they would have won that. So mobile quarterbacks, anybody who doesn't just sit in the pocket in the corners can basically play man-to-man. If you've got to spread out the corners, if the corners have to come up and make tackles, that that proves difficult for their defense uh, as well. So offense will always score points. As long as they got Julian Edelman and Tom Brady together, they're going to score. So um, you either have to outscore them or just find ways to get a couple turnovers and uh, keep the ball out of Brady's hands. So there's that. All right. So like I said, Ravens and Saints are my Super Bowl prediction. All right. All right. On to the last segment. With that being said, I offer you some final words. So my advice that I have for y'all would like to say this. So with only 25 days left in 2019, I want to ask you a question. What are you doing to set yourself up for success in the new year? Last week, I mentioned my theme for 2020 was consistency. Instead of waiting until the morning of January 1 to work on being consistent, I've started early so that I go into 2020 with the habits necessary for success attending fraternal events, working on my nonprofit, business, etc. With these things, with these remaining days, you may not be able to accomplish the goals you set forth for the year, but you can begin to build the foundations of success for 2020. If you want to lose 20 pounds in 2020, begin working out now. Begin working on your diet and developing better eating habits. Want to start your business? Go ahead and file that LLC with the Secretary of State and keep developing your plan. Our time is not guaranteed and there is no moment like the present. Believe that you have the tools necessary to accomplish what it is you want. The power of you is strong and is your biggest asset. You have the ability to become what it is you seek to be. Too often we talk ourselves out of moving forward because we compare ourselves to others or we start thinking we need more. We need more time, we need more education, we need more money, etc. No, you have what you need. Go forth and do it. For all my thinkers, Dr. Wayne Dyer said, the answer to how is yes. Say yes. Never ask how. Take action. Know it will manifest. When we do that, success becomes inevitable. Inevitable. For all my trap stars, Jeezy said, trust your process. And for my Christians, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Take action, trust your process, and have faith that the vision of your life will come to pass. All right, so on to my business promo. I wanna give a shout out to my homeboy, my good friend, fellow public health uh, worker at DHEC <laughs> for the last couple of years before I moved uh, to Jock Watson and Mr. DDH Lifestyle. 
So DDH Lifestyle, Determination, Dedication, and Hard Work, a health and wellness brand that aims to help people achieve their fitness goals while making positive lifestyle changes. DDH Fitness Lifestyles Coach Jock Watson is a certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition coach with a degree in health promotion and exercise science from Coastal Carolina University. So one time for all my friends from Coastal. While at Coastal Carolina University, he was a nationally ranked high jumper. He offers affordable online meal prep guidelines and training plans and is completely invested in his clients. Not only does he provide the guidelines for fitness and nutrition plans, he also aims to educate and share his knowledge to help his clients long term. Coach Jock provides the support and guidance through frequent progress check-ins as well as motivational texts. If you're looking for a personal trainer or nutrition coach, check out his website and Instagram. His Instagram is ddh underscore fitlife, and you can check him out online at www.ddhfitlife.com. Uh, I will drop that in the comments as well as on my Facebook and Instagram pages, Twitter as well. And uh, be sure to follow. Follow me and follow him as well, okay? All right, that's all I got. So be sure to like and comment, share the link. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at irepda5. That's I-R-E-P-D-A-P-H-I-V-E. And be sure to listen, like, and follow on SoundCloud. Just search Said Talk. I'll talk to y'all next week, and we're going to let this old Kanye fade us out. Step, say the step, gangsters walk, pimps gon' talk. Ooh, hecky now that boy is raw. I'ma get on this TV, mama. I'ma, I'ma put this down. I'ma make sure these light skins again never, ever, never come back in style. Told them I finished school and I started my own business. They say, oh, you graduate.